Section 14 of Americans and Others. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 14 of Americans and Others by Agnes Replier. Read by Mary Schneider. The Grocer's Cat. Of all animals, the cat alone attains to the contemplative life. Quote from Andrew Lang. The grocer's window is not one of those gay and glittering enclosures which display only the luxuries of the table, and which give us the impression that there are favored classes subsisting exclusively upon Malaga raisins, Russian chocolates, and Nuremberg gingerbread. It is an unassuming window, filled with canned goods and breakfast foods, wrinkled prunes devoid of succulents, and boxes of starch and candles. Its only ornament is the cat, and his beauty is more apparent to the artist than to the fancier. His splendid stripes, black and gray and tawny, are too wide for noble lineage. He has a broad, benignant brow, like Benjamin Franklin's, but his brooding eyes, golden, unfathomable, deny benignancy. He is large and sleek, the grocery mice must be many and of an appetizing fatness, and I presume he devotes his nights to the pleasures of the chase. His days are spent in contemplation in a serene and wonderful stillness which isolates him from the bustling vulgarities of the street. Past the window streams the fretful crowd. In and out of the shop step loud-voiced customers. The cat is as remote as if he were drowsing by the waters of the Nile, Pedestrians pause to admire him, and many of them endeavor, with well-meant but futile familiarity, to win some notice in return. They tap on the window-pane and say, Hello, pussy. He does not turn his head nor lift his lustrous eyes. They tap harder and with more ostentatious friendliness. The stone cat of Thebes could not pay less attention. It is difficult for human beings to believe that their regard can be otherwise than flattering to an animal, but I did see one man intelligent enough to receive this impression. He was a decent and a good-tempered young person. He had beaten a prolonged tattoo on the glass with the handle of his umbrella, murmuring at the same time vague words of cajolery. Then as the cat remained motionless, absorbed in reverie, and seemingly unconscious of his unwarranted attentions, he turned to me, a new light dawning in his eyes. Thinks itself some, he said, and I nodded acquiescence. As well try to patronize the sphinx as to patronize a grocer's cat. Now surely this attitude on the part of a small and helpless beast depended upon our bounty for food and shelter, and upon our sense of equity for the right to live, is worthy of note, and to the generous mind is worthy of respect. Yet there are people who most ungenerously resent it. They say the cat is treacherous and ungrateful, by which they mean that she does not relish unsolicited fondling, and that, like Mr. Chesterton, she will not recognize imaginary obligations. If we keep a cat because there are mice in our kitchen or rats in our cellar, what claim have we to gratitude? If we keep a cat for the sake of her beauty and because our hearth is but a poor affair without her, she repays her debt with interest when she dozes by our fire. She is the most decorative creature the domestic world can show. 
she harmonizes with the kitchen's homely comfort and with the austere seclusion of the library she gratifies our sense of fitness and our sense of distinction if we chance to possess these qualities did not isabella d'est marchioness of mantua and the finest exponent of distinction in her lordly age send far and wide for cats to grace her palace did she not instruct her agents to make a special search through the venetian convents where might be found the deep-furred pussies of syria and thibet alas for the poor nuns whose cherished pets were snatched away to gratify the caprice of a great and grasping lady who habitually coveted all that was beautiful in the world the cat seldom invites affection and still more seldom responds to it a well-bred tolerance is her nearest approach to demonstration the dog strives with pathetic insistence to break down the barriers between his intelligence and his master's to understand and to be understood the wise cat cherishes her isolation and permits us to play but a secondary part in her solitary and meditative life her intelligence less facile than the dog's and far less highly differentiated owes little to our tutelage her character has not been moulded by our hands the changing centuries have left no mark upon her and from a past inconceivably remote she has come down to us a creature self-absorbed and self-communing undisturbed by our feverish activity a dreamer of dreams a lover of the mysteries of night and yet a friend no one who knows anything about the cat will deny her capacity for friendship rationally without enthusiasm without illusions she offers us companionship on terms of equality she will not come when she is summoned unless the summons be for dinner but she will come of her own sweet will and bear us company for hours sleeping contentedly in her armchair or watching with half-shut eyes the quiet progress of our work a lover of routine she expects to find us in the same place at the same hour every day and when her expectations are fulfilled cats have some secret method of their own for telling time she purrs approval of our punctuality what she detests are noise confusion people who bustle in and out of rooms and the unpardonable intrusions of the housemaid on those unhappy days when i am driven from my desk by the iron determination of this maid to clean up my cat is as comfortless as i am companions in exile we wander aimlessly to and fro lamenting our lost hours i cannot explain to lux that the fault is none of mine and i am sure that she holds me to blame there is something indescribably sweet in the quiet self-respecting friendliness of my cat in her marked predilection for my society the absence of exuberance on her part and the restraint i put upon myself lend an element of dignity to our intercourse assured that i will not presume too far on her good nature that i will not indulge in any of those gross familiarities those boisterous gambols which delight the heart of a dog lux yields herself more and more passively to my persuasions she will permit an occasional caress and acknowledge it with a perfunctory purr she will manifest a patronizing interest in my work stepping sedately among my papers 
and now and then putting her paw with infinite deliberation on the page i am writing as though the smear thus contributed spelt lux her mark and was a reward of merit but she never curls herself upon my desk never usurps the place sacred to the memory of a far dearer cat some invisible influence restrains her when her tour of inspection is ended she returns to her chair by my side stretching herself luxuriously on her cushions and watching with steady sombre stare the inhibited spot and the little gray phantom which haunts my lonely hours by right of my inalienable love lux is a lazy cat wedded to a contemplative life she cares little for play and nothing for work the appointed work of cats the notion that she has a duty to perform that she owes service to the home which shelters her that only those who toil are worthy of their keep has never entered her head she is content to drink the cream of idleness and she does this in a spirit of condescension wonderful to behold the dignified distaste with which she surveys a dinner not wholly to her liking carries confusion to the hearts of her servitors it is as though lucullus having ordered neapolitan peacock finds himself put off with nightingale's tongues for my own part i like to think that my beautiful and urbane companion is not a midnight assassin her profound and soulless indifference to mice pleases me better than it pleases my household from an economic point of view lux is not worth her salt huxley's cat be it remembered was never known to attack anything larger and fiercer than a butterfly i doubt whether he has the heart to kill a mouse wrote the proud professor of this prodigy but i saw him catch and eat the first butterfly of the season and i trust that the germ of courage thus manifested may develop with years into efficient mousing even huxley was disposed to take a utilitarian view of cathood even cowper who owed to the frolics of his kitten a few hours respite from melancholy had no conception that his adult cat could do better service than slay rats i have a kitten my dear he wrote to lady hesketh the drollest of all creatures that ever wore a cat's skin her gambols are incredible and not to be described she tumbles head over heels several times together she lays her cheek to the ground and humps her back at you with an air of most supreme disdain from this posture she rises to dance on her hind feet an exercise which she performs with all the grace imaginable and she closes those various exhibitions with a loud smack of her lips which for want of greater propriety of expression we call spitting but though all cats spit no cat ever produced such a sound as she does in point of size she is likely to be a kitten always being extremely small for her age but time that spoils all things will i suppose make her also a cat you will see her i hope before that melancholy period shall arrive for no wisdom that she may gain by experience and reflection hereafter will compensate for the loss of her present hilarity she is dressed in a tortoise-shell suit and i know that you will delight in her had cowper been permitted to live more with kittens and less with evangelical clergymen his hours of gaiety might have outnumbered his hours of gloom 
cats have been known to retain in extreme old age the hilarity which the sad poet prized nature has thoughtfully provided them with one permanent plaything and mr frederick locker vouches for a light-hearted old tom who at the close of a long and ill-spent life actually squandered his last breath in the pursuit of his own elusive tale but there are few of us who would care to see the monumental calm of our fireside sphinx degenerate into senile sportiveness better far the measured slowness of her pace the superb immobility of her repose to watch an ordinary cat move imperceptibly and with a rhythmic waving of her tail through a doorway while we are patiently holding open the door is like looking at a procession with just such deliberate dignity in just such solemn state the priests of ra filed between the endless rows of pillars into the sunlit temple court the cat is a freebooter she draws no nice distinctions between a mouse in the wainscot and a canary swinging in its gilded cage her traducers indeed have been wont to intimate that her preference is for the forbidden quarry but this is one of many libelous accusations the cat though she has little sympathy with our vapid sentiment can be taught that a canary is a privileged nuisance immune from molestation the bird's shrill notes jar her sensitive nerves she abhors noise and a canary's pipe is the most piercing and persistent of noises welcome to that large majority of mankind which prefers sound to any kind of silence moreover a cage presents just the degree of hindrance to tempt a cat's agility that puss habitually refrains from ridding the household of canaries is proof of her innate reasonableness of her readiness to submit her finer judgment and more delicate instincts to the caprices of humanity as for wild birds the robins and wrens and thrushes which are predestined prey there is only one way to save them the way which archibald douglas took to save the honour of scotland bell the cat a good-sized sleigh-bell if she be strong enough to bear it a bunch of little bells if she be small and slight and the pleasures of the chase are over one little bell is of no avail for she learns to move with such infinite precaution that it does not ring until she springs and then it rings too late there is an element of cruelty in depriving the cat of sport but from the bird's point of view the scheme works to perfection of course rats and mice are as safe as birds from the claws of a belled cat but if we are really humane we will not regret their immunity the boasted benevolence of man is however a purely superficial emotion what am i to think of a friend who anathematizes the family cat for devouring a nest of young robins and then tells me exultingly that the same cat has killed twelve moles in a fortnight to a pitiful heart the life of a little mole is as sacred as the life of a little robin to an artistic eye the mole in his velvet coat is handsomer than the robin which is at best a bouncing bourgeois sort of bird a true suburbanite with all the defects of his class but my friend has no mercy on the mole because he destroys her garden her garden which she despoils every morning gathering the fairest blossoms to droop and wither in her crowded rooms 
to wax compassionate over a bird and remain hard as flint to a beast is possible only to humanity the cat following her predatory instincts is at once more logical and less ruthless because the question of property does not distort her vision she has none of the vices of civilization Quote, cats i scorn who sleek and fat shiver at a norway rat rough and hardy bold and free be the cat that's made for me he whose nervous paw can take my lady's lapdog by the neck with furious hiss attack the hen and snatch a chicken from the pen so sang dr erasmus darwin's intrepid pussy a better poet than her master to the cat of miss anna seward surely the last lady of all england to have encouraged such lawlessness on the part of a presumably domestic animal for the cat's domesticity is at best only a presumption it is one of life's ironical adjustments that the creature who fits so harmoniously into the family group should be alien to its influences and independent of its cramping conditions she seems made for the fireside she adorns and where she has played her part for centuries lamb delightedly recording his observations on cats sees only their homely qualities Quote, put em on a rug before the fire they wink their eyes up and listen to the kettle and then purr which is their music the hymns which shelley loved were sung by the roaring wind the hissing kettle and the kittens purring by his hearth hind's cat curled close to the glowing embers purred a soft accompaniment to the rhythms pulsing in his brain but he at least being a german was not deceived by this specious show of impeccability he knew that when the night called his cat obeyed the summons abandoning the warm fire for the hard frozen snow and the innocent companionship of a poet for the dancing of witches on the hilltops the same grace of understanding more common in the sixteenth than in the nineteenth century made the famous milanese physician jerome cardin abandon his studies at the university of pavia in obedience to the decision of his cat in the year fifteen fifty two he writes with becoming gravity having left in the house a little cat of placid and domestic habits she jumped upon the table and tore at my public lectures yet my book of fate she touched not though it was the more exposed to her attacks i gave up my chair nor returned to it for eight years o oh, wise physician to discern so clearly that placid and domestic habits were but a cloak for mysteries too deep to fathom for warnings too pregnant to be disregarded the vanity of man revolts from the serene indifference of the cat he is forever lauding the dog not only for its fidelity which is a beautiful thing but for its attitude of humility and abasement a distinguished american prelate has written some verses on his dog in which he assumes that to the animal's eye he is as god a being whose word is law and from whose sovereign hand flow all life's countless benefactions another complacent enthusiast describes his dog as sitting motionless in his presence quote, at once tranquil and attentive as a saint should be in the presence of god 
he is happy with the happiness which we perhaps shall never know since it springs from the smile and the approval of a life incomparably higher than his own of course if we are going to wallow in idolatry like this we do well to choose the dog and not the cat to play the worshipper's part i am not without a suspicion that the dog is far from feeling the rapture and the reverence which we so delightedly ascribe to him what is there about any one of us to awaken such sentiments in the breast of an intelligent animal we have taught him our vices and he fools us to the top of our bent the cat however is equally free from illusions and from hypocrisy if we aspire to a petty omnipotence she for one will pay no homage at our shrine therefore has her latest and greatest defamer maeterlinck branded her as ungrateful and perfidious the cat of the blue bird fawns and flatters which is something no real cat was ever known to do when and where did mr maeterlinck encounter an obsequious cat that the wise little beast should resent tiltil's intrusion into the ancient realms of night is conceivable and that unlike the dog she should see nothing godlike in a masterful human boy is hardly a matter for regret but the most subtle of dramatists would better understand the most subtle of animals and forbear to rank her as man's enemy because she will not be man's dupe rather let us turn back and learn our lesson from montaigne serenely playing with his cat as friend to friend for thus and thus only shall we enjoy the sweets of her companionship if we want an animal to prance on its hind legs and with the over-faithful tylo cry out little god little god at every blundering step we take if we are so constituted that we feel the need of being worshipped by something or somebody we must feed our vanity as best we can with the society of dogs and men the grocer's cat enthroned on the grocer's starch box is no fitting friend for us as a matter of fact all cats and kittens whether royal persians or of the lowliest estate resent patronage jocoseness which they rightly hold to be in bad taste and demonstrative affection those lavish embraces which lack delicacy and reserve this last prejudice they carry sometimes to the verge of unkindness eluding the caresses of their friends and wounding the spirits of those who love them best the little eight-year-old english girl who composed the following lines when smarting from unrequited affection had learned pretty much all there is to know concerning the capricious nature of cats Quote, o selima shuns my kisses o selima hates her misses i never did meet with a cat so sweet or a cat so cruel as this in such an instance i am disposed to think that selima's coldness was ill-judged no demonstrating pussy would have shunned the kisses of such an enlightened little girl but i confess to the pleasure with which i have watched other selimas extricate themselves from well-meant but vulgar familiarities i once saw a small black-and-white kitten playing with a judge who not unnaturally conceived that he was playing with the kitten for a while all went well the kitten pranced and paddled fixing her gleaming eyes upon the great man's smirking countenance 
and pursued his knotted handkerchief so swiftly that she tumbled head over heels giddy with her own rapid evolutions then the judge being but human and ignorant of the wide gap which lies between a cat's standard of good taste and the lenient standard of the courtroom ventured upon one of those doubtful pleasantries which a few pussies permit to privileged friends but which none of the race ever endure from strangers he lifted the cat by the tail until only her forepaws touched the rug which she clutched desperately uttering a loud protesting mew she looked so droll in her helplessness and wrath that several members of the household her own household which should have known better laughed outright a shameful thing to do here was a social crisis a little cat of manifestly humble origin with only an innate sense of propriety to oppose to a coarse-minded magistrate and a circle of mocking friends the judge imperturbably obtuse dropped the kitten on the rug and prepared to resume their former friendly relations the kitten did not run away she did not even walk away that would have been an admission of defeat she sat down very slowly as if first searching for a particular spot in the intricate pattern of the rug then turned her back upon her former playmate faced her false friends and tucked her outraged tail carefully out of sight her aspect was that of a cat alone in a desert land brooding over the mystery of her nine lives in vain the handkerchief was trailed seductively past her little nose in vain her contrite family spoke words of sweetness and repentance she appeared as aloof from her surroundings as if she had been wafted to arabia and presently began to wash her face conscientiously and methodically with the air of one who finds solitude better than the companionship of fools only when the judge had put his silly handkerchief into his pocket and had strolled into the library under the pretense of hunting for a book which he had never left there did the kitten close her eyes lower her obdurate little head and purr herself tranquilly to sleep a few years afterwards i was permitted to witness another silent combat another signal victory this time the cat was i grieve to say a member of a troop of performing animals exhibited at the folie bergere in paris her fellow actors poodles and monkeys played their parts with relish and a sense of fun the cat a thing apart condescended to leap twice through a hoop and to balance herself very prettily on a large rubber ball she then retired to the top of a ladder made a deft and modest toilet and composed herself for slumber twice the trainer spoke to her persuasively but she paid no heed and evinced no further interest in him nor in his entertainment her time for condescension was past the next day i commented on the cat's behavior to some friends who had also been to the folie bergere on different nights but said the first friend the evening i went the cat did wonderful things came down the ladder on her ball played the fiddle and stood on her head really said the second friend well the night i went she did nothing at all except cuff one of the monkeys that annoyed her she just sat on the ladder and watched the performance i presumed she was there by way of decoration all honor to the cat who when her little body is enslaved can still preserve the freedom of her soul the dogs and the monkeys obeyed their master but the cat 
like Montaigne's happier pussy long ago, had her time to begin or to refuse, and the showman in the audience waited upon her will. That is the end of section 14, and the end of Americans and Others by Agnes Replier. Read with great pleasure by Mary Schneider.